The Word of God, the Holy Bible, is a treasure and a gift beyond compare. Every passage of it points to a marvelous truth that God's love for man impelled him to step out of eternity and unite with his creation in order to redeem him from sin. Jesus Christ is both the author and subject of this precious word. Join us at the Superior Word each week as we search out this wonderful gift in search of Christ Jesus. Let's see. Uh, so I see somebody wrote the date on there. I did not. It's 22 September, Sunday, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And we got quite a few visitors here today. It's very nice to have them, a, a family of four. And I think I got your names right. You said uh, Sean, Terry, Abby, and Connor. Is that Tara. right? Tara. Sean, Tara, Abby, and Connor. They're from Kansas City, Missouri. Is that correct? Kansas City, Missouri. There's a couple Kansas cities out there, so you got to make sure you get the right one. But it's welcome. It's good to have you here. They're uh, staying down in Fort Myers, which is, it was a little bit of a haul to get here this morning, but they made it. And let's see, I would like to let the people know that uh, email me this past week. I have not done a lot of emails, and I apologize if I haven't answered. I'll get to them eventually. But uh, it's been a kind of a long, stressful week because we are in the process. Sergio, while he's here from Israel, is moving me from Windows to Mac. And it's it's a big change. I mean, you remember things, but it's doing the same thing and until you not know, I know how to do this, but how to keep doing it. And so that's the real trouble. And then obviously we have video processing today after uh, church. And this will be the big test if I actually survive because that's a lot of work. It's a brand new, entirely different system. And so I have not been answering emails, and I apologize. Uh, it may be a week or more, so if you just hold off on the emails, it'll save me a lot of work in a week ahead. But uh, let's see, our first category, as always, is Israel. And concerning the Israel elections, I don't see any point in talking about it at all, because I, I was reading a post from John Holler this morning, and uh, his final analysis after this long type-up of it was, it's a real mess. Well, that's exactly what it is. I mean, they don't know what they're doing yet. They have no idea what's going to be the outcome, so why bother talking about it? So I'll just go with John Huller's It's a Real Mess, and we'll leave it at that. So our first uh, article is from the New York Times. Got some people upset in Jerusalem. Cable cars over Jerusalem. Some see Disney vacation of Holy City. All right. Now, I reported on this about a year or two ago when they were actually starting to talk about it. Now they actually have it planned to do this within the next two years. Israeli authorities have approved a plan to build a cable car to the Western Wall by 2021. It's the first phase of what proponents envision as a fleet of cable cars crisscrossing the locus of sacred sites known as the Holy Basin. Trumpeted by right-wing Israeli leaders as a green solution to the challenges of increased tourism and traffic around the old city, the plan has provoked howls of protest from horrified Israeli preservationists, environmentalists, planners, architects, and others who picture an ancient global heritage site turned into a Jewish-themed Epcot, with thousands of passengers an hour crammed into huge gondolas lofting across the sky. This is the typical NIMBY, what did they say, uh, not in my backyard scenario. It's NIMBY, okay? 
people panic because they don't want it in their backyard, but they'll go anywhere else where they have these and say, isn't this nice? That's what's going on here. The cable car would take tourists to the Western Wall, bypassing Fakistinian neighborhoods. The cable car project is an example illustrating how Israel wields architecture and urban planning to extend its authority in the occupied territories. Whatever its transit merits, which critics say are negligible, the cable car curates a specifically Jewish narrative of Jerusalem, which I have no problem with, furthering Israeli claims over Arab parts of the city. The plan is basically this, suspended from giant pylons, entered via elevated glass-enclosed stations, the cable cars will swoop down from a Jewish neighborhood into the western part of Jerusalem to Mount Zion. They will skirt, where possible, Jewish grave sites in acknowledgement of biblical prohibitions about passing over cemeteries. All right, a couple comments on that particular article is, one, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you know that it's very crowded. There's a lot of chaos and driving is difficult. It would relieve some of that. It would keep people from being bused from place to place. You just get on one of these things. I have no problem with that. I think it would be a good idea. Uh, we had a bridge going from the mainland to um, St. Armand's Key a couple years ago, the Ringling Bridge, and it was an old bridge from the 20s. It was low, and it had the thing that opens up to let the, uh, the uh, boats go through. And, you know, it backed up traffic, and people didn't want it anymore, and they said, we're going to build this big bridge that goes over the whole span. And, of course, the people, not in my backyard. They all complained, we don't want this thing, we don't want to see it, and this can be terrible. And the lawyers got involved, and they sued, and it cost millions, literally, like $25 million worth of lawyers' suits. And in the end, they built the thing, and it looks marvelous. It's a wonderful, everybody loves it, even the people that complain. So, you know, people just need to get over these things. The second thing is about passing over cemeteries. Now, the Bible does say that, you know, walking, you're not supposed to go over a grave and all that kind of stuff. I don't know the exact verse and the, uh, the, what it exactly says, but Jesus then quotes it in the New Testament. You're like men who walk over dead men's graves and, you know, etc. Okay, so that's something that they know. But how stupid to say we can't go over a graveyard in a gondola. And the reason why is because at what point does it stop? With a helicopter? A jet airplane? We should never fly because we're going to fly over a, a cemetery in some country we don't know about. What about unmarked graves? Okay, these you don't know. Finally, what about the guy that went up into space, the uh, Israeli? He didn't make it back down, but he did go up there. He flew around every grave site in the world 27 times, unless you're a flat earther, then they didn't really go up. But besides that, um, you know, we just have to use common sense, especially when it comes to the Bible. We don't want to get legalistic. Okay. Well, I have a problem with it. You have a problem with yes. it. Turkey shoot. Turkey shoot. Oh, well, oh, yeah, that, that would be a problem if you had the uh, enemy out there, which loves to cause trouble in some of those areas. They may actually make it a turkey shoot, but they do that with cars anyway. Right. They do it with all kinds of other things. So your problem is... Uh, uh, rejected. We're going to go through with this. <laughs> All right. From Zero Hedge, U.S. pressures Israel to drop China belt and road investments. This is rather important, actually. We got quite a few China articles again today. As China executes on its Belt and Road Global Trade Scheme, more than 130 countries who have either committed to or expressed interest in the $600 billion initiative have been hard at work expanding their infrastructure to accommodate Beijing's ambitious plan. And while President Trump has been pounding the table in an ongoing U.S. trade war, 
Progress made on Belt and Road threatens to reduce U.S. leverage over Beijing, pulling U.S. allies such as Israel, which extended a 25-year offer for the operation of the Haifa Terminal to state-controlled Shanghai International Port Group in a tricky position. Of note, China is currently Israel's second largest trading partner with around $11.5 billion in annual transactions. Meanwhile, the U.S. has pressed Israel to create a buffer with China in the interest of national security. Israel and Israeli companies are quickly coming to the realization that it's going to be difficult to sustain business as usual in work with China while keeping the United States. The Haifa seaport in particular has been a cause for concern because of its proximity to a harbor used (coughs) occasionally by the U.S. Navy's Sixth Fleet. Although the two facilities are separated by a breakwater and an older commercial port, the U.S. Senate passed a defense spending bill that includes a provision expressing serious security concerns about the development. Bottom line, whether or not Netanyahu prevails in his bid for re-election, Israel's economy will remain dependent on China's continued investment, potentially alienating the United States. So who are you going to upset? Who are you going to stick with? All right. Who is going to be Israel's protector or not protector? And this could all go down the tubes anyway, because if we have a economic crisis like 2008, everything could change anyway. I mean, the American economy is as fragile as it can be. It's all it's going to take is, you know, one little push by the Lord in one direction or another. And the world is going to go into a tailspin anyway. So we'll just see where that goes. CBS Local says you're desecrating the name of God. Gay Jewish man says stranger harassed him over a pink kippah. This is in New York. A disturbing encounter captured on cell phone video in Manhattan is going viral. It shows hate speech, hate speech directed at a man who is Jewish and gay. The vile comments quickly become too much to ignore. Out of the blue and with an angry finger point, the man started hurling outright hate ordering the young gay Jewish man dressed in denim with a pride patch and bedazzled purse. He's got a purse, a bedazzled purse, to take off his pink kippah. In the video, the man can be heard saying, you're desecrating the name of God. So that's hate speech nowadays. You have faith in one religion, and you say only words. You're desecrating the name of God, which is true according to the religion that he supposedly professes, and now it's hate speech. What, because I'm gay and wearing a kippah? Is that why? Eli responds later in the video. The man says, take your kippah off. This is not Judaism. Okay, so you can assume maybe he's Jewish. Maybe he's not. It doesn't say one way or another. But the reason why I brought that up is because the point is made that uh, you can no longer say what you believe and even direct it towards somebody that is wrong in their own faith without being called a hater or, you know, espousing hate speech. Um, The thing is that the guy is wrong. He's a homosexual. He claims he's a Jew. The body of laws which establish them as a people are right here. And guess what it says, okay? And then in Ezekiel 36, verse 22, it says, Yet not for your sake, O house of Israel, am I going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have blasphemed among the nations. So here they are blaspheming the name of the Lord among the nations, and he is still gracious enough and merciful enough to bring them back into their land. And he's not doing it for their sake. He's doing it for his sake because he made a covenant with this people, this group of people. And he says, I am going to keep my side of it. Even if you're faithless, I will remain faithful. It's a picture, by the way, for people that need proper doctrine. It's a picture of individual salvation. Collective Israel 
is a picture of individual salvation. Now, I'm not saying that all of Israel is saved, and that is not true by a long shot, okay? But collective Israel under the covenant is a picture of us under the new covenant. Each individual God will never reject, just as God has never rejected Israel as a people, okay? And so we have that assurity. People that say you can lose your salvation are not very good scholars. They're not very good theologians. They have not thought the issue through very well. If you can lose your salvation any time after getting it, then it becomes of your work and not his. It was never of grace. Anytime you can lose your salvation because of something you have done, then it is your work that is keeping you saved. And that's not what the Bible teaches. So have right doctrine. From Christian News Today, from the Christian Post, California legislature approves measure criticizing pastors for not embracing LGBT identities. Now, I brought this up a couple months ago when it went through the House. The House approved it, and now the Senate has approved it. So that means that it is an approved resolution. The California legislature has passed a resolution blaming religious leaders and groups that support sexual orientation change efforts therapies for the suicides and attempted suicides of those who identify as LGBT. So it's all our fault that they're committing suicide, not that they're crazy or anything like that. In a party line vote last week, party line vote, by the way, that means that the right saw that this was obviously illogical and they didn't go with it. But in a party line vote last week, the state Senate approved Assembly Concurrent Resolution 99, which demands that people of faith in the state change their attitude to minister to same-sex attracted men and women and others who identify as LGBT LMNOP. Uh, the non-binding resolution, there it is right there, the non-binding resolution. This is not law. People are getting all upset about this and it's going to harm pastors in the state and they're not going to be able to say anything. It's not true. This is a non-binding resolution, just like you see up in Congress all the time. But it criticizes pastors, counselors, and other religious ministers helping those who are struggling with unwanted same-sex attraction or gender confusion. The resolution calls religious views about sexual ethics that do not affirm LGBT identities stigmatizing beliefs that contribute to depression and suicide. Since ACR 99 is a resolution, here it is. It requires no signature from the governor. It is a passed resolution. If the governor wants to sign it, I know that he would because he's as crazy as the rest of them. But uh, that's where they are in California. That is now on their books that uh, they recommend that pastors and other people just give up their faith and go ahead and agree with them. Not going to happen. And if they pass this here in Florida in 20 years or whenever, ain't going to happen in this church. From LifeSite. <laughs> Dope Francis invites religious political leaders to sign global pact for new humanism. The global event set to take place at the Vatican on May 14, 2020, is themed reinventing the global educational alliance. The Dope is inviting representatives of the main religions, international organizations, and various humanitarian institutions, as well as key figures from the world of politics, economics, and academia, and prominent athletes, as if they know anything, scientists and sociologists, to sign a global pact on education so as to hand on to our younger generations a united and fraternal common home. A global education pact is needed to educate us in universal solidarity and a new humanism, Francis said. In a strikingly secular message containing only one throwaway reference to the Lord, 
Dope Francis called on people to capitalize on our best energies and to be proactive in opening education to a long-term vision unfettered by the status quo. This will result in men and women who are open, responsible, prepared to listen, dialogue, and reflect with others, and capable of weaving relationships with families between generations and with civil society, and thus to create a new humanism. He's completely leaving the Lord out of everything he's saying here. It is all a humanistic approach. If you don't know what that means, go look it up. The word humanism or humanistic approach, and you'll be appalled that he would even say these words, and yet this is the leader of the supposed Catholic Church. All right, and inviting these athletes is like inviting Hollywood movie stars to testify in Congress. Well, I did a movie on a river, and so I'm qualified in all environmental issues, and this is what they do. But he's as crazy as they are. Quoting Hillary Clinton's favorite aphorism, it takes a village to raise a child. So he's quoting Hillary Clinton, and he's saying that parents have no responsibility, that it takes a village to raise a child. Francis asserted the need to create an educational village in which all people, according to their respective roles, share the task of forming a network of open human relationships. At a time when the right to homeschool and the right to a free choice of school are threatened, and when countries throughout the world levy taxes to provide public schooling to which no Catholic parents could safely send their child. Dope Francis omitted any reference to the prerogatives of parents as the primary educators of their children. Now, this was obviously written by a Catholic site because they say no Catholic parent would send their children to such a school. Well, it's true throughout Christianity as well. I mean, years and years ago, when my children were this big, we were over in Malaysia. And Actually, they were in kindergarten at the time, and in kindergarten, they learned to speak English, Bahasa Malaysia, which was the language of the nation, and they had to speak Chinese because they were in a Chinese kindergarten, okay? And so here they are learning three languages, and then they also were in ones and twos and threes and fours and pluses and minus in kindergarten. And we got back to Sarasota, Florida, Philippi Shores Elementary School, where I went, And the first thing they did in first grade was to put them in coloring books. And I said, I'm not going to have my children go to this public education because they're taking a step back. And I know that they're already teaching them crazy things because I went to those schools. And so we sent them to a Christian school. And so the argument here is that Dope Francis wants society to raise your children in contradistinction to you making the choices and especially not sending your children to schools where they're going to be harmed through all these things that they teach nowadays. Anyway, referencing the document on human fraternity and world peace for living together, something that I mentioned in an update about a half a year ago, Francis explained that the ground must be cleared of discrimination and fraternity must be allowed to flourish. In this kind of village, an alliance must be forged between the Earth's inhabitants and our common home. We're talking about global worship, Gaia worship there, which we are bound to care for and respect. An alliance that generates peace, justice, and hospitality among all peoples of the human family, as well as dialogue between religions. There you go once again, which he did with the Muslims last year, which he was citing. Dialogue between religions. Hey, listen. There is one way to God, one way, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ, okay? If that is true, then why would I want to have dialogue with other religions other than telling them that you are going to hell unless you receive Jesus Christ? That's the only dialogue I want to have with them is give them the gospel. You know that Christ died for your sins. 
He did it for you. He loves you enough to take away your sin debt. And he did it. And now all you have to do is believe that simple thing and you'll be saved. And if not, your religion will get you no closer to God than worshiping a plant, which they were doing up in New York, if you read that article this week. The Union Theological Seminary uh, had them confessing their uh, climate sins to plants. Union Theological Seminary. That is the oldest private seminary in the nation. It was founded on the Word of God, the literal Word of God, okay? And we brought them up in a couple prophecy updates recently, but this week they had them, actually the students, going in and confessing their climate sins to plants. So there you go. And that's what this Dope Francis is doing. He's asking people to worship the creation rather than the creator all right from the christian post this is from last week remember we had a visitor and so i took out some articles and this was a longer one i've cut it down to just two sentences but i thought i'd give you a little update on this and let you decide what you're going to do with it benny hen renounces the prosperity gospel he says holy ghost is just fed up with it okay now take this how you want I'm not here to make any uh, judgment on it until I see the actions that speak louder than words. But he has renounced the prosperity gospel. Speaking to his followers, Hen declared the gospel is not for sale. Now imagine that, because that's all he's done for the past 30 or 40 years is sell the gospel. He is saying this out loud. The gospel is not for sale. Now, I will tell you this, that from the very first time I saw him years ago, and my mother saw him basically at the same time because my mother and I and my middle brother all met the Lord at the same time, okay? We didn't talk to each other about it. We just all independently met the Lord within about one month of each other, and then we found out that the other one had met the Lord, okay? So um, when that happened, all of us were watching Christian TV because we thought, well, we want to know about the Lord that we've called on, okay? And, of course, Benny Hinn was all over it. I don't know if he's on it anymore or not because I don't watch TV, but... Um, all three of us came to the same conclusion without ever having read the Bible. This guy is a charlatan. Okay, but here we go. I'm sorry to say the prosperity has gone a little crazy, and I'm correcting my own theology. Now, that's something I told you just before we started today, is correcting your own theology, not getting into presuppositions and always questioning, am I right or am I wrong? Is dispensationalism correct? Is covenant theology correct? How do I know? All right, I've been told this, and I believe that. The Trinity is true. The Trinity isn't true, right? Always question your theology. And where do you get that from? The only place you're ever going to get that from is this book right here. It's the only way. Now, people will read this book differently, and they'll take things out of context. So they say you can lose your salvation. Okay, that's fine. But that's their problem. The context of this word is that you cannot lose your salvation. We could go through a thousand doctrinal issues right now. I'm not going to, but this guy is saying, I am correcting my own theology. Hats off to him, but we'll see if his actions follow his words. That's what I want to see, because you know what? If they do, if he actually becomes a decent preacher, welcome. I mean, your past sins are forgiven in Christ. If he has truly come to Christ, and if he is truly going to preach the gospel, great. If not, then we'll continue to reject him, just like we have for the past 20 or 30 or whatever years. But just wanted you to know, the uh, more you know the Bible, he says, the more you become bi biblically based and more balanced in your opinions and your thoughts. I can agree with that wholeheartedly because we are influenced, Tim says. So we'll see if this pans out or not. You know, I don't have a lot of faith in people, but you never know. So I thought I'd read that to you from Christian Headlines. Baptist Church makes history. Woo! Calls transgender pastor. 
Yep, an Ohio Baptist church called a transgender pastor to lead its church, making it one of the few Baptist congregations in the United States to be led by a minister who has a gender identity different than their birth sex. Peace Community Church called Erica Sanders and then held an official welcoming service this month for Sanders. The congregation was founded as First Baptist Church of Oberlin in July 1866 and is affiliated with the Baptist Peace Fellowship of North America, the Association of Welcoming and Affirming Baptists, the Alliance of Baptists, and the American Baptist Churches of the Rochester Janice region. The Pastor Search Committee reviewed 16 candidates and narrowed it down to two before the selection was made. That must have been a sorry group of candidates if the one they picked was the one I just described to you. How terrible. How terrible that this world is going in the direction it's going. It's so sad. From Islam today, from the AP, Turkey threatens to open the gates for Syria refugees to go to the West. This is really troubling because they've had Europe inundated for the past couple of years, and that's all been stalled for the past year or so. And Turkey is now saying, I'm going to open these gates up and I'm going to send these people to you. So here's what it says. Turkey's president threatened to open the gates and allow a flood of Syrian refugees to leave Turkey for the Western countries unless a so-called safe zone <coughs> is established inside Syria soon in negotiations with the Americans. Erdogan, in a speech to his ruling party officials, lamented what he described as Turkey being left to shoulder the burden of the Syrian refugees alone. Turkey is determined to create the safe zone inside Syria, along its border with the war-torn country, and was ready to do it alone before the end of the month if there is no agreement with the United States. We will be forced to open the gates. We cannot be forced to handle the burden alone, Erdogan said, reiterating Turkey's annoyance that past proposals for the creation of the safe zone, envisioned as a place where refugees could be resettled, has been ignored by Western nations. We did not receive the support needed from the world and especially from the EU concerning the burden sharing, he said. Turkey opened its borders to Syrians in April 2011 and is currently home, get this, to 3.6 million who fled the civil war now in its ninth year. But as Turkey suffers an economic downturn and rising unemployment, calls among Turks for Syrians to go home are growing. Turkey reached a deal with the EU in March 2016 under which Turkey would stem the flow of the migrants into Europe in return for funds to help support the refugees and visa-free travel for Turkish citizens. But Erdogan accuses European nations of not keeping to its side of the bargain and is frequently threatened to back away from the deal. So this is bad. The EU is not upholding its side of this agreement to keep these people in these refugee camps, 3.6 million people, and you've got to feed all of them, and you've got an economy going down, you can see how the Lord is working out the way that the nations are going to end up in turmoil. This is just one of them. Those people have got to go somewhere. He's trying to establish a safe zone in the northern area of Turkey. We're trying to help him with that. It may or may not work out, but Turkey is not going to allow those people to continue where they are right now, and they're going to go somewhere. And the guess is, at this point, that if we don't get something done quickly, they're all going into Europe. I was talking to some friends that were in Europe a few weeks ago, and they went to Italy, and they said that these beautiful towns of just a few people, I mean, you'll see a town of 150, 200 people, and 30 of them will be Muslims. They told me that they were at a, a lake, 
And there were these swans that have been there for, you know, thousands of years. They'd come and they migrate and they stop in these beautiful lakes in Turkey. And they were, the Muslims were throwing rocks at them, little children, you know. It's, well, yeah, just because that's their life. I mean, they're rock throwers. So, you know, but this is what they're going through. This is what's happening in Europe. And it's going to get worse. If you get 3.6 million of them heading up north, guess what? Anyway, from the Tea Party, Alaska ordered to pay $100,000 to Muslim inmates over Ramadan food options. Yes, Kair to provide religious sensitivity training to correctional officers. They have to be trained on how to handle these Muslim people in prison. Good morning, Mrs. Garrett. How are you? It's very good to have you here. What's that? Throw rocks at them. Throw rocks at them. That's exactly right. Throw rocks at them. Okay, so just imagine that. They're in prison. Pork rinds. Throw pork rinds at them. Yeah, that's sensitivity training. Anyway, the uh, the Alaskan system has to pay $100,000 to these people over food choices. All right? That's absolutely crazy. But we've done this to ourselves. We elected that president that we had last time. He opened the floodgates, and they've been coming in, and they're all over the place. So this is what we're going to have to put up with. You know, and when you oh, – I'll read the article. Here it is. Pluralist. Burger King takes the ham – out of hamburgers to avoid offending Muslims. Yes, this is in South Africa. In a gesture of respect towards its Muslim customers in South Africa, Burger King is dropping the word ham from the names of hamburgers on its South African menu. The practice will affect three items offered by the restaurant chain. The double spicy ham burger will now be known simply as the double spicy burger. The triple hamburger with cheese is now the triple burger with cheese. Meanwhile, the Hamburger King Jr. will now be the kid's burger. Burger King made the change in order to be more respectful of customers seeking halal items. Okay, once again, this is what I was going to say. They move into an area and then they complain. The Jews also don't eat ham. They don't eat pork. They move into an area and they never complain. They just start their own shops and they start their own meat sales. And they. this has happened all over the world now for 2,000 years. There's never been this type of problem, okay? But the Muslims come in, and instead of adapting and doing their own thing, they want everybody else to conform to their thing. It's a problem in this society. Okay, having said that, when I went to Malaysia, which is a Muslim nation, I spent three years there almost to the day. It was very nice. It's a beautiful country. I loved it. But when I went there, the first day that I was there, I was at the PJ Hilton waiting for the organization to get started. And then it couldn't get started because the U.S. government messed up the contract. And I spent three months by myself in the P.J. Hilton. Nobody else there. But that was okay. I got three months on a P.J. Hilton. And uh, but anyway, I went down to McDonald's. And I walked up and I said, I'd like a hamburger. And that girl tore me up. We don't serve ham here. Hey, this is their nation. They call them beef burgers. That's what they call them. That's fine. But we call them hamburgers here and they don't have any ham in it. It's just a name. But they don't want to have it in the name. And that will be changing here in America as we get closer to the, you know, the saturation point with these people. But when you're in Malaysia, you do as the Malaysians do. When you're in America, you do as the Americans do. If you want to go to Israel, do what the Israelis do, etc. You want me to pick another country? How about Paraguay? When you're in Paraguay, you can ignore their laws. Okay, I, I'm kidding. Okay, from the Times of Israel. This is uh, temporary only here. Muslim group appalled as Cooperman tapped as Bolton's interim replacement. 
He's already been replaced. He was an interim replacement. But I want to read you the comments anyway. Kair said it was appalled that Charles Cooperman, who served on the board of a group that peddled conspiracy theories about Muslims, is serving as interim national security advisor. Cooperman served for a decade on the board of the Center for Security Policy, which peddles theories that here, here's what they're mad about. Muslim Americans hope to institute Islamic religious law in the United States. It's true. If you don't know that, watch the next time we have Usama Dakdok here. He speaks twice or three or four times a year here, and he will tell you exactly what their agenda is. He knows. He's lived in, he grew up in a Muslim nation. He is one of the finest Islamic scholars on this planet. And he will tell you that's true. So that's not a conspiracy. And the second is that they have infiltrated American institutions and the government. That's true as well. So how can they be upset about it? This is exactly what they're doing. But they didn't want him from Mongolia today. China-funded overpass in Mongolia opens to traffic. We had a uh, uh, highway that went out to the airport funded by China about a month or so ago. We had the Americans in there that are trying to get a foothold in Mongolia, a bigger one. And then we had Russia for the past couple weeks going in there and getting a foothold. Well, the Chinese have been stealthily doing what they do everywhere. Chinese go everywhere and they make investments and they say, oh, it's okay. We're just investing in your country. And then pretty soon their policy becomes the policy of that host nation. And this is how they're working it. Whereas Russia wants one thing, we want to do it another way. China gets in there with the money. Okay, here we go. An overpass built with the Chinese government's soft loan near the traffic police department of Mongolia in downtown Ulaanbaatar opened to traffic on Monday. The construction of the 1,100-meter overpass, which started in April of last year, was built by China Railway 20 Bureau Group Company Limited. Ulaanbaatar was originally built with a plan to have 500,000 residents. Today, the city has become a big city, home to around half of the country's population of 3.2 million. Since the beginning of this year, with Chinese non-refundable aid and soft loans, Several such high-standard and modern facilities as Development Center for Disabled Children, highways, overpasses, and agricultural machinery have been handed over to the Mongolian side, reflecting the high level of pragmatic cooperation between the two countries. Watch when the bills come in how China says, you now owe us. And we're going to see some of those this week and maybe some next week as well in the other category. But here we go, Daniel 12 Technology, New Atlas. Fully formed tiny heart is 3D bioprinted from a human donor cell. In April, scientists at Israeli's Tel Aviv University, something we talked about, 3D printed a miniature heart using human biological material. Utilizing somewhat similar technology, American researchers have now printed a human heart of their own. To begin the process, white blood cells obtained from a human volunteer were converted into induced pluripotent stem cells, which were in turn promoted to differentiate into various types of cardiomyocytes, which are heart cells. These were mixed with nutrients and growth material, forming the company's proprietary bio-link. That ink was then extruded through the nozzle of a specialized bioprinter, along with the supporting transparent matrix material. In this, the tiny heart was built layer upon layer, with the matrix temporarily holding everything in the desired shape. That shape was based on an MRI scan of the volunteer's real heart. The printed object was then placed in a bioreactor which mimicked conditions within the human body. This caused the cardiomyocytes to self-organize, fusing together to form solid cardiac tissue. 
What resulted was a full, albeit small, human heart with the matrix material it could then be dissolved off of. According to BioLife 4D, the bioprinted heart contains four internal chambers and is self-replicating partial functional metrics could be used to print full-sized hearts for transplants because the organs have been grown from the patient's own cells. Rejection by the immune system likely wouldn't be an issue. Now think of that. You got a bad heart. There's something wrong with your ticker. So you go into the doctor and you say, doctor, I have this heart problem. He says, no problem. We're going to take some stem cells from you. We're going to mix it up. We're going to print off a new heart and we're going to have it installed in you three weeks from today. Brand new heart without all of the problems. That is pretty amazing. And that's coming soon to a world near you. It'll probably happen, you know, at some point where all this technology is going to devolve during the tribulation, but it'll be ready for the millennium. You know, we've got all of the technology out there. It's going to be a wonderful time sure, on Earth. You spoke with one of the researchers on the project on FaceTime when he was at our place, if you remember. Oh, I God. do! Yeah. That was one of them. Yeah. One of the researchers that did the Israeli heart oh. I was speaking to. He was over at Sergio Rota's house. I remember that. Nice guy. You tell him I said hi, okay? From Revelation. Oh, I got one more from Daniel 12 Technology. Don't want to miss this because this is way cool. It'll actually hurt your eyes to look at this thing. I, and I mean that in a good way, not in a bad way. This is very, very interesting. Black just got blacker. The darkest material ever created is 10 times darker than anything else and blocks out 99.96% of light scientists reveal. One of the pictures, a guy has this black stuff in his hand, a circle of it. And it almost looks like it's a void in the photo. It, it is unbelievable. Your eyes look at it and you can't believe that it's actually real. It's so dark. But here we go. MIT researchers covered $1.6 million diamond with the substance to prove its blackness. The high-tech cloak-like material was made from microscopic carbon nanotubes. Scientists are unsure of the mechanics which caused the material to be so dark. They believe it is due to the pairing of carbon nanotubes and etched aluminum. If I was to hold this up right here, your eyes would they think there's something wrong because it's so black. No light gets out of it. It is astonishing. So, there you go. Revelation plagues today from the bulletin. An explosion rocked a Russian research facility known for housing the smallpox virus. You may have heard about this. If you didn't, it's very serious. An explosion caused a fire at the State Research Center of Virology and Biotechnology, a biological research facility in Siberia known for being one of the two centers in the whole world housing samples of live smallpox virus. Anybody know where the other one is? Just up the road, Atlanta, the CDC. Yes, the CDC in Atlanta is the only other place known to maintain live samples of the deadly pathogen. Now, here's my question before I go on. Why is there anything explosive in a biocontainment facility unless they are trying to make bio bombs? That's right, weapons. Anyway, that's my question. According to the head administrator, the explosion occurred during scheduled maintenance work. The incident doesn't pose a threat to the surrounding community. Nikolai Krasnikov told the Russian TASS news agency. According to TASS, there were no biohazard substances involved. One worker was injured and taken to a hospital with burns. Russian Times reported that emergency responders were treating the explosion and fire as a major incident given the sensitive work of the Vector Institute. The Vector Institute is known for producing top-notch epidemiological research. 
Despite that reputation, there have been questions raised about the Institute. I guess a high-ranking Soviet bioweapons official who defected to the United States in the 1990s claimed that smallpox had been moved to the Vector Institute in order to conduct bioweapons research. Sounds like one plus one is equaling two. The last known smallpox outbreak was in 1977, and the World Health Organization declared the disease eradicated in 1980. The disease killed about 300 million people in the 20th century, and three in ten people who contracted it died. Survivors were often left scarred and blind. Monday's blast follows relatively closely on the heels of another explosion at a Russian facility conducting high-tech and risky research. In August, an accident at a missile site test killed five nuclear scientists. U.S. officials believe researchers at the site were working on a nuclear-powered cruise missile. So bad stuff happening over there. Accidents will happen. And if you get into the smallpox or other diseases that are maintained there, that could become global very quickly. Once again, revelation plagues right on our heels. Mail online, six deaths and hundreds of illnesses related to vaping cannabis oil in the United States made Canadian health officials nervous as country prepares to legalize the products there. So we'll see if it happens or not, but they're going to legalize this and they've got these deaths going on. Canada is set to allow the sale of vaping products in its legal marijuana market, but wave of illnesses associated with vaping THC are giving officials pause. CDC reports six deaths and 380 cases of lung illness in 36 states linked to vaping. Canada became the second nation to legalize and regulate marijuana. Mail online this week, a couple days ago, vaping death toll in the United States hits eight. So we went from six to eight in just a couple days as a man in his mid-40s in Missouri succumbs to mysterious lung illness linked to e-cigarettes. Okay, you go promoting cannabis and smoking that type of stuff, this is what you're going to get. Morality, college fix. Talking about the darkest black ever, well, this is pretty dark. Whites need not apply. Campus SciTech Symposium to only feature scholars of color. Now imagine if we did that on the other way. No blacks need apply because this is a whites only symposium. That would be a problem. People need to speak out when this type of thing happens because this is nonsense being pushed by the left. You know, I went into the United States Air Force in 1984 and I was in there for nine years, four months and 15 days. And when I was in there, I don't ever remember any racial problems. I'm sure there were, but I don't remember any. My bosses were black and I love them. Some of them I still stay in contact with. Some of them may even watch the update, poor people. Anyway, but you know what? This is the way it was. You just work together. And I understand their race problems, but it's not the way the left is pushing it. They are pushing these things intentionally to divide this nation so that this nation will fail. Anyway, we'll go on. Here we go. An upcoming science and technology symposium slated to take place at Williams College promises a unique feature. It will showcase new voices in the field, and those voices will only come from scholars of color. New Voices in Science and Technology Studies, a C3 symposium set for early November at the private Massachusetts-based Liberal Arts University, invited scholars to submit papers if they represent a historically underrepresented group. The call for papers specifies that means either African Americans, Alaskan Natives, Arab Americans, Asian Americans, Latinx nations, uh, Native Americans, Native Hawaiians, and other Pacific Islanders. 
part of the, where's my wife? Uh, anyway, part of the application process asked applicants to write a couple sentences proving themselves as a member of a historically underrepresented group. Yet the application also provides an equal employment opportunity statement that people from all backgrounds are welcome. Well, I guess not. Yeah. From the Hill. California state lawmakers passed bill requiring public universities to offer abortion pill on campus. They must offer it at all public universities. From Fox, California adds Iowa to travel ban over refusal to fund gender transitions. So they're using weapon of money to punish states that have different morals than they do. The blacklist already included Alabama, Kentucky, North Carolina, Texas, Oklahoma, and Mississippi, and hopefully Florida will be on that list soon. Keep the Californians over there. And I don't mean the Christian Californians. I mean the government workers that are not allowed to travel here. We don't want them here. We don't want any of the government people working here. From the Christian Post, some good news to end the morality section on. Christian artists can't be forced to make same-sex wedding invitations, Arizona Supreme Court rules. I reported on these girls about two years ago. The case has finally been settled. It may go to the Supreme Court because they want to push this agenda, but if it doesn't, they can do their thing. In Brush and Nib versus City of Phoenix, Arizona's highest court ruled that Joanna Duca and Brianna Kosky, owners of Brush and Nib Studio, cannot be compelled by a local anti-discrimination ordinance to provide their services to same-sex weddings. Writing for the majority, Justice Andrew Gould concluded that the city of Phoenix cannot apply its human relations ordinance to force Brush and Nib to create custom wedding invitations celebrating same-sex wedding ceremonies in violation of their sincerely held religious beliefs. Thank the Lord for that one. Two nice young ladies, they just didn't want to get caught up in the perversion of the day. And what happens? Somebody sides with them finally. Probably cost them a lot in the beginning, but in the end, it will be a blessing for them. One, they will have people that come in there that are decent customers. And two, they will be given rewards by the Lord when they stand before him for standing up for their morals. That's assuming they're saved, and they are because they're Christians. But I'm saying that anybody that is uh, standing up for their morals is doing the right thing. Christians in particular will get rewards for that. From our other category, from Reuters, Taiwan says China is meddling with elections after Solomon Islands cuts ties. This is exactly what I was talking about. China gets in there. They've done this all over the world. It's not just in Asia. They've done this in Africa and numerous countries. They have invested large amounts of money. These countries are now beholden to them. They have giant debts to China, and China will call those debts home when it meets their purposes. This is one of them right here. The Solomon Islands was the sixth country to switch allegiance to China since President Ng Wang took office in 2016. Its decision dealt her a new blow in her struggle to secure re-election in January amid criticism of her handling of Beijing and rising tension with China. Self-ruled Taiwan now has formal relations with only 16 countries in the whole world, many of them small, less developed nations in Central America and the Pacific, including Belize and Nauru. Nauru is the one that just recognized Jerusalem being the capital of Israel. Remember that? About a week or two ago, I reported on that, and they're sided with Taiwan on this. My guess is they do not take Chinese money there, because if they do, they're going to be changing their status as well. Anyway, China claims Taiwan as its territory and says it has no formal ties with any nation. Over the last 
few years, China has continually used financial and political pressure to suppress Taiwan's international space. China's foreign ministry said in a statement it highly commends the decision to sever diplomatic ties with Taiwan and uphold the One China Principle, adding it was a part of an irresistible trend. One China Principle means that Taiwan belongs to China, it's One China, and there are people that agree with that, people that don't agree with that, and we're going to see where this ends up. We... The United States does not have formal diplomatic relations with Taiwan. We have a special category that we have approved for Taiwan. We can deal with them. We sell them military weapons, but we have not made the jump that those 12 or 13 other nations did make. Okay, and that was because we were working, trying to work deals out with China since uh, what was his name? Nixon went over there and broke down the wall. But since then, we've tried to work out things well, and maybe we're going to one of these days just side with Taiwan, take on the rest of the world. I don't know. We'll see. From the South China Morning Post, this goes back to 23 June. This is a couple months ago, based on the same type of thing. Why the tiny Solomon Islands matter to East and West? Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison's first overseas visit after winning the recent general election was not to his country's chief security partner, the United States, nor to its biggest trading partner, China. Who do you think he went to? The Solomon Islands. Why would he do that? Because of exactly what just happened this week. It was to the Solomon Islands. The visit had a lot to do with the China-U.S. battle for influence in the region. What sets the small nation apart is that it is one of six in the Pacific and 17 overall that still recognizes Taiwan rather than China. The U.S. wants Australia to use its influence in the region as a big aid donor to ensure non-switch allegiance to Beijing. His first diplomatic trip went to Solomon Islands to try to make this happen, and he failed, as we see a couple months later. That's really serious what's going on. China gives people money, and they expect things in return. This is how they work, and this is why our president is doing exactly the right thing right now. I don't care. Yeah, soft loans. It'll get you every time. All right, CNBC. (coughs) Australia kept secret a China hack on its parliament to protect trade. It's another one. Australian intel determined China was responsible for a cyber attack on its national parliament and three largest political parties before the general election in May. Five people with a direct knowledge of the matter told Reuters. Australia's Cyber Intelligence Agency concluded in March that China's Ministry of State Security was responsible for the attack. Their Ministry of State Security attacked the Australian government and nobody said anything. The five sources declined to be identified due to the sensitivity of the issue, like they'd go to jail probably for the rest of their lives or something. The report, which also included input from the Department of Foreign Affairs, China is Australia's largest trading partner, dominating the purchase of Australian iron ore, coal, and agricultural goods, buying more than one-third of the country's total exports and sending more than a million tourists and students there each year. Australian authorities felt there was a very real prospect of damaging the economy if it were to publicly accuse China over the attack. Once again, you can see why President Trump and what he is doing with China is the right thing. It is the right thing. It is not the wrong thing. And what he is doing is being belittled by the left who's been saying to do it for the past 20 years. So I'm very proud of our president. If we suffer, if we have economic problems because of it, big whoop. Yes, whoop. Zero Hedge. 
In show of goodwill, Beijing exempts U.S. pork soybeans from trade war tariffs in a show of goodwill. They don't have any food over there. All of their pork has died, as we've reported again and again and again over the past four months. But this is a show of goodwill. We're going to exempt pork. And guess what? Soybeans, they're having trouble getting them from Argentina. That's the only other place that they were looking for more of it at the time. Well, we've got to backtrack and back. They come to the United States, and we need your soybeans now. Why? Because they drink a lot of soybean milk. You go over there, and that's one of their sources of protein. They use soybeans for everything over there. They use it for making hair shampoo and stuff. I'm kidding, but they use it for everything. She, Yeah, she thought I was serious. Anyway, um, Beijing announced that it would indeed encourage state-owned companies to begin goodwill purchases of U.S. soybeans, pork, and other farm goods desperately needed by China, by the way, by imposing waivers from trade war tariffs. The decision was characterized as the latest in a series of tit-for-tat trade war de-escalations by Beijing and Washington, though Beijing is struggling with a deadly outbreak of swine flu that has killed off nearly one-third of the country's pigs. It's actually higher. We saw that in a previous update, but they haven't announced that because the people have been taking their pigs that weren't affected, and they've been slaughtering them and getting them into the market before they get infected. So they're actually way, way down on pigs, and also has been struggling to find replacements to source soybeans. There you go. China's market is big enough, and there's great potential to import high-quality U.S. farm products. Good job. Chinese officials added that the U.S. will honor its word and fulfill its promises to create favorable conditions for cooperation for the two countries in the agriculture sector. Yeah, no problem. We'll do that. We're still going to put tariffs on you, and we're going to get fair trade out of you after all of this time because we have President Trump from CNN. U.S. Navy warship challenges Chinese claims in the South China Sea. This has been ongoing. It happened again. They say you can't bring your ships by these islands that we made out of nothing that aren't part of our territory but are now part of our territory, and U.S. says we're sailing right by. Go ahead and fire on us. Let's start a war here, folks. Mail online. Seattle law, because if we don't go by there, eventually it will become the standard that they own that property. That's why we are doing this. We are doing the right thing because we have the right man in the White House. Mail Online, Seattle lawmaker proposes a new way of getting rid of the city's homeless population. Anybody hear this one? Give them a one-way bus ticket out of town. That's liberal love for you. Bring them in, get them dependent on the society, and then they start doing things on the street you don't want them to do. And so just give them a, a ticket. Somewhere else. Yeah, the loving lefties. Don't fix it. Yeah, don't fix it. Fast Company says, I create fake videos. Here's why people believe even the obvious ones. And go read the article. It's very good. Why do people, it's an obvious fake video. And yet they post it on Facebook and they say it's true and they start arguing that it's true. Why is it? Well, they talk about that there and I'll tell you it's the exact same reason why people believe the earth is flat. It's the same reason why People have bad doctrine in one part of the Bible and they won't change. They'll double down on it, right? Job's witnesses say that Jesus isn't God, even though it's as clear as a nose on your face. Because once you've got a presupposition about something, you are going to go down with it because pride steps in, the great sin of pride. So go read the article to help you out why you believe fake videos when they're obviously fake. People put memes on Facebook that have no basis in reality at all and they believe them. They just, you know, they don't check the source of the meme. They just say it's a meme. It must be true. Whatever. Got Lesserick here for you. Let's see if you can figure out which article we're talking of. Oh, you know what? We got John and Kathy here for our last week. So make sure you give them a big hug and a kiss before they leave. They'll uh, be here up until Thursday, but they won't be here for any more Prophecy Update. So it's been a real pleasure having you guys here. 
We love you very much, and we hope you'll come back soon. And guess what John's wearing today? A Grace shirt, Charlie Missy Grace shirt, beautiful shirt. So if you want one, send me an email, and I'll give you the uh, link to Charlie Missy's uh, website, and you'll have a beautiful Grace Cross shirt. They really are wonderful. That's a little plug for Charlie. She's a wonderful person. All right, here's our Lesrick. Some may think that it's merely a line, yet to others, attraction divine. It towers like Babel. It runs on a cable, and it runs past the ones now supine, meaning the dead ones. There you go. Very good job, folks. I got a couple of ironies for you, and we'll be done. This is Illinois is full of it, and you'll have to guess what it is from the second article. The first one is from Zero Hedge. Only in Illinois, wife of indicted political boss will hold the highest judicial post in the state. Sounds like a little conflict of interest there. And what are they full of? Mail online. Oh, poo. Pigeon poops on Chicago lawmaker while he discusses the city's pigeon poop problem. Yes. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.